Hello, and welcome to the Government Digital Service Podcast. My name's Laura Stevens, and I'm a writer here at GDS. And today, we're going to be speaking about the award-winning step-by-step navigation on Gov.uk. This is a navigation that breaks down complex tasks into simple steps. The navigation follows you throughout your journey, indicating what to do now and next. It also shows you what previous steps you might have missed. For example, getting a provisional driving license before booking a driving theory test. To tell me more about this is Kate Ivy Williams and Sand Dove. So please, could you introduce yourself and tell me what you do here at GDS? For Kate first. Um, yeah, so I am service design lead for Gov.uk. And that basically means my work focuses on two things. Um, it's looking at how the platform of gov.uk helps government to deliver services but also looking at how the gov.uk program as a group of people are helping government to improve those services. Sounds great and Sam? Uh, So I'm a product manager working on gov.uk and uh, for the last couple of years really I've been focusing on navigation of gov.uk so that means really making things easy to find but also with step-by-step navigation making things easier to do um, and uh, ways that we can join things up so they make sense for users is a key part of that. Okay, and your team uh, won a prestigious design award last month. <laughs> so that was from DNAD. Um, how did you feel when you found out about that? Really exciting. I think it's it, like you spend a lot of time sort of looking inwards at government and, and sort of having a strong belief that you're working on the right things and doing things that make sense, but it's very nice to get recognition from people outside of your world of work um, and sort of peers across the industry that the thing that you're working on is a good thing and that it feels it sort of feels meaningful beyond just the context that we're working in. I think one of the things that's really nice about it is we, I had a look through some of the other the other winners from it and there's, there's so much great work there but I think what's kind of quite unique about what we've done is it's really it's an iteration on gov.uk a yeah. lot of the work there are like relaunches or rebrands and this is like uh, a continuation of some of the thinking um, that's been around gov.uk since the beginning yeah and it feels like a kind of validation of a process of like uh, iteration like week by week month by month we've kind of got to this new place and it's quite quite exciting yeah I was a bit unsure actually whether we would win an award because obviously gov.uk has won two awards previously um, mostly focused on the where they were awards for content design and and I was unsure whether entering this they would just see it like it's just the same thing. You're just getting all We're these just, awards, aren't you? What do you want another award for? But I'm, I like we entered it in a different category, and I think I think they did understand that it's you know we're trying to achieve slightly different things like driven by the same principles we're now focusing on doing slightly different things and working in slightly different ways than we did well, five years ago or yeah. whenever we won the previous awards so. yeah but it, I mean it built on that work so like the yeah. early achievement like the big achievement of gov.uk in its first year was just getting everything together in yeah. the same place and, and that's something that uh, Neil Williams was talking about on I think it was the first or second episode yeah, the of, first podcast, of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And like he was leading that work and just getting all those departmental websites shut, shut down and all that content moved into one place was a huge achievement. Um, and then there was a kind of follow-on challenge for that, which was like, how do we make this stuff like findable and usable? And how do we join this content up and these transactions up across departments? Um, and so like we're, we're able to do what we're doing because of that work that came before us. Yeah. Um, but it follows in those kind of tradition of ideas of like joining things up for users, making things easy 
like making sure that users don't um, have to understand the structure of government in order to find what they need. Well, this yeah. is what I was going to talk about, like how the step-by-step came about. What was the genesis of it? It's kind of the reason that I joined Gov.UK. Like, so I was one of um, the first service designers to join GDS as an organisation. Um, Lou Down joined first and sort of established service design as a profession within GDS. And then they brought in myself and another person. And um, and I joined Gov.UK with the idea that, OK, you're going to be on Gov.UK and you're going to think about how does Gov.UK do services? I've been at GDS for about four years now. And it took probably about a year and a half before we could kick off this work in any meaningful way because we had to still do quite a lot of um, technical work on gov.uk, bringing all the content into one place so that we could do consistent universal navigation across all content. There was quite a lot of technical debt to deal with. So it's been ticking along and our ideas have been evolving. A year and a half ago, we Mm. were able to really kick this work off in earnest. And, and think about how all of those ideas translate into something mm. actual real. Yeah, and it's it's such an attractive idea. Like it's yeah. uh, it's for me as somebody who who didn't have all that background coming to it at that point, it was just uh, such a kind of exciting idea. The the idea that we could have like a single page that would tell you everything you need to to do in order to get something done, something like big and chunky and meaningful, um, like learning to drive or starting a business or employing someone, these like complicated processes. If if as government we could just create one page that's with that's kind of well structured and um, explains exactly what you need to do, that's such a valuable thing for uh, users, for citizens. Uh, And that was a really exciting idea to just kind of pick up and run with. Why did you pick the first one, which was learning to drive? There was some quite a lot of previous work done in that area. So when Lou first joined GDS, they went off to Swansea and worked a lot with DVLA and were looking at a lot of the driving services. So we had quite a sort of historical knowledge base in that area and already had quite a good understanding of that journey. Um, So from that respect it was it was quite a good one to pick up because we had stuff we could build on but it also um is a journey that's quite simple and linear and quite easily understood and i think it kind of exemplifies what this pattern this design pattern um this new feature on gov.uk is for in the inside uh learning to drive you've got a lot of guidance you've mm. got stuff like um uh, like the highway code is probably like the best known uh, part of that and you've got all these kind of transactions you need to do with government so before you start you've got to get a provisional driving license that's a transaction with government um, and at some point in your in in that process you've got to do your theory test you've got to take some driving lessons um, and you've got to take your practical test uh, and you've got to do those things in the right order like you can't you can't take your driving test until you've got your provisional license and so it was just a really nice kind of model for how we could start organizing that content in a simple sequence that made sense to people to make that easier. Learn to Drive had quite a good mix of things Mm. across it that we could start testing the pattern slightly about how it could deal with real processes that are users going through, not just the government processes. Well, and I was actually going to talk through the design of that because it went through quite a few rounds, iterations. So, I mean, like with most things, we kind of start in, well, like with identifying uh, a need. Um, And... Uh, we we knew that we needed to join up transactions and guidance because you need both you need to uh, to engage with the guidance and you need to do these transactions. Um, so we started developing prototypes for how we do that. 
Um, and uh, as with most things in GDS and Gov.UK, we start with user research. So that's bringing in people who are in the process of uh, learning to drive mm -hmm. to kind of, and we put these early prototypes in front of them. And we really ask them just to, to kind of go through the, to kind of engage with them naturally as if they were in their own homes. And, uh, do the parts of the journey that where they were at at the moment um, and that uh, allowed us to kind of evolve a design over I think it was uh, in, uh, in the creation of the original pattern about 10 rounds of user research each time we were bringing uh, a slightly different prototype like building on the learnings and insights from the previous round and really kind of honing this design pattern to a point where users felt comfortable with it uh, it felt natural it felt intuitive to them and you also went up to Neath as well. Yeah. To the Digital Accessibility yeah. Centre. Yeah, that was good. We went a whole crew of us. <laughs> we were like, like the back end, front end, like me, the designer, you, the product manager, user research. We all went along and we tested it with, I think, around 10 um, people who work in the Digital Accessibility Centre who have varying... Uh, access needs, whether that be sort of cognitive um, ability or um, sight, or perhaps it's, um, I think one of the people we tested with has ADHD, or there, there were quite a lot of different um, access needs that we tested against. And, mm. and that was, oh, it was such an interesting day. Yeah. We learned tons from that and like that directly translated into yeah. improvements uh, to the designs that, that make it work better for everybody, actually. And now there are 41 step-by-step -step lives. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so you've got quite a range. Um, you've got obviously the first one, um, learning to drive a car, getting married, getting divorced. And yeah. on a slightly lighter note, you've got reporting treasure as yeah. well. Yep. <laughs> My favourite. For, for, for the metal detectorists out there, if you yeah. find your Anglo-Saxon horde, um, unfortunately, you have to tell the government about that. You can't just keep it. And um, so that's, that's a step-by-step -step process. Uh, it's about like we we deliberately picked early on these kind of wildly diverse types of processes yeah. from like something really kind of emotionally taxing and legally complicated like divorce and then something like um, if you find if you find buried treasure or um, the cargo of a shipwreck um, you have to tell government about that and so we were, we were testing to make sure. The, that this pattern could handle all these kind of different kinds of interactions that people have to make with government. How did you go about creating these step by step? So we've kind of got a, we've sort of developed a bit of a standardised process now, where um, and we've we've got now got enough traction with government that in the early days we were going out to departments and saying we think your thing would work really well as part of this user journey thing that we're doing on gov.uk you don't really know what it is yet but we'd love to give it a go can you be our alpha partners um to a point where we've now got enough traction with government that they're coming to us so we've actually got uh, hundreds of step-by-step -step journeys in our backlog that we could build and and now it's about um picking up them based on a prioritization and once we we kind of, we have two different starting points. Sometimes you have a really tangible idea of what the journey is and who the users are. And when you've got that idea, you can start building a draft of that journey internally in gov.uk with our content designers, who are brilliant service designers actually. And they, they interrogate the content on gov.uk and start mapping out a draft of this thing. Um, and then alongside that, 
we start working out who are the departments involved and who do we need to get into a room to go through this journey, validate it, make sure that we are going to be pointing at the right things in the right order so that users can do all the things they need to do. Sometimes you start off with a much more fuzzy service area where you're not quite sure what journeys should be built in that area or it's just it's a bit complicated and you need to think how how are you going to break that down and is that does that generally happen here at gds or would you go out to the departments or so it's generally for whatever works for the, yeah. the the participants like i think this is maybe a thing that outside government people are not necessarily so aware of that like with some with a journey like employing somebody um that's how a user sees it in terms of okay i need to hire someone for my for my business um, but actually that's owned, the, the guidance and the transactions owned by five different departments that could be in five different offices in five different parts of the country. Yeah. <laughs> and like what's exciting is getting all those people in a room together and going, actually, collectively, as government, we own this thing. We own the journey. You don't just own your little bit. We, we all together like can make the journey of employing someone really like um, simple, quick, seamless. Um, and it's really exciting getting getting those people in the room, and people are generally really up for that. Like yeah. they're enthusiastic about about making the whole thing better. More often than not, as well, these workshops it's the first time that these people have ever met or thought about how their things join up, um, and that's really like one of the key reasons why this step by step stuff exists. It's not just about um, creating a good experience for users who are trying to do things with government. It's like 20% that, but it's like 80% getting government to understand their services and know who else in government is they need to collaborate with when they're thinking about improving those services and getting them to take ownership of that as a sort of joined up cross-departmental group of people. That's what we really hope happens with this stuff, yeah. is that like when we're just getting started in terms of like we're at 41 at the moment. There are hundreds of these kind of services so that are being taken <laughs> so Right, we've got, we've got a lot of work to do. Um, um, busy. <laughs> so, but then like once, even for, so the 40 that we, we've mapped out and you, you can go see them on, on gov.uk, um, like they're also just the beginning. Like those things are, uh, seven or eight step processes I uh, it's really great to have a group of people come together and maybe have a think about okay well that's now we've mapped it out and seen it all in one place actually that's quite complicated yeah. like uh, this maybe doesn't need to be an eight step process and maybe our, maybe we have a policy goal which is reducing this down to three steps um, and that as like step by steps as an enabler of like transformation and improvement of services is like one of our goals for this this work it's journey mapping basically which is like as a service designer that's our bread and butter is doing journey mapping because that's how you sort of understand how everything works and what's going wrong but it's kind of translating that into something that's kind of shiny and people want it and there's been some really good outcomes i've like got some figures like since launch it's been used by 10.5 million people is that still correct yeah well possibly more because (laughs) i think that's the numbers for the overview pages which are um, and obviously, so within every step-by-step journey, you've got like the overview page, which is the sort of the journey on one page. But then every page within that um, end-to-end service will also have the step-by-step navigation on. So, and actually, there's more people using the navigation on the sort of content and transaction pages than they are like, using the overview pages. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of one of the kind of key insights that's shaping Gov.uk uh, is the fact that users generally start from search and they land kind of deep in Gov.uk in, uh, on content or they might only think about the process in terms of a transaction. They might think about uh, driving in terms of, okay, I've got to take a test. Actually, well, there's a lot of stuff you need to do before you get to there. So it's about helping users when they when they arrive on a piece of content to go, oh, actually, this is part of a five-step process. And maybe I need to hop back a few steps, do a little bit first, and then I can do this bit. And we're making it clear on the site. And you'll see it looks like um, uh, like a kind of underground map on the right-hand side of uh, of web pages and it's um, it's a beautiful responsive design so it goes it kind of um, looks good on mobile too um, and it'll show you exactly using this kind of uh, underground line kind of metaphor exactly where you are in mm -hmm. that process yeah. and um, that's that's we've seen that uh, in the lab uh, users telling us like this is this is really useful this makes this process seem manageable um, for some things that often don't, things that people often need, maybe yeah. get get professional help or uh, have to call in, have to like get a lawyer to come and help them do it because it feels so vast and unmanageable just by breaking it down and saying, this is what you need to do now, this is what you need to do next, really, really helps people. How do you know that people are reading the content and uh, making use of it? So I think, I mean, there are, so we start with user research, but then we start looking for data at site scale and we start publishing things on, on gov.uk. And one of the things that we developed alongside uh, the step-by-step -step navigation is this new component. You'll see it at the bottom of every single page on gov.uk. Um, and uh, it's just got one very short question in a little blue bar at the bottom of the page and just says, is this useful? Yes or no? And um, it's a kind of live, like, usefulness vote on every that we've got running on every page of the site. And, and this is a common technique across across the web. We didn't uh, invent this, but it gives you a very useful, like, starting metric for what's working for users and what's not. And um, it'll it'll often flag an issue that the, you then might want to take into a user research lab and look at more in detail actually what's going wrong here. Um, but one of the first like signs we had that we were like really on the right track here is that. The usefulness scores for the new step-by-step -step journeys that we published at the first step-by-step -step journeys were like way higher than what the uh, some of the things that they were replacing and equivalent formats. We had like um, 80, 90 percent usefulness scores, which um, were uh, great news for great news for us. And I think the no prompt if you if you say no, this page isn't useful, you're prompted to like give us a bit of feedback. So if if one of the step by steps isn't working for you, <laughs> like there's there's a mechanism for people to say, oh, actually, like this is why this is the bit you've you've missed this bit, or I'm in this circumstance and this doesn't work for me. So it's a way of like us um, getting feedback at scale uh, from users, and that's that's always where we're focused and we're always watching like the live performance data of what we're doing to make sure that it's right for the circumstance, it's right for where we've applied it. We know it helps people because we've seen, for example, the applying for tax-free childcare. Once we introduced the step-by-step, -step, um, well, the hypothesis before we built the step-by-step -step was that people were not checking whether it was right for them or they weren't checking their eligibility before jumping into the transaction itself to apply. And they were using the application process as a bit of an eligibility checker, which is not what it's built for. Um, and because of that, a lot of people were dropping out or failing um, or applying for the wrong thing. And after introducing the step-by-step -step navigation, 
in the analytics, we saw more people who were hitting the transaction page, but then jumping back to the eligibility guidance and then coming back to the transaction and going through it successfully because they were going through with confidence that this was the right thing for them and fewer people were applying for it incorrectly. Um, I mean, that, th- those kind of improvements, getting people just like uh, and not jumping into uh, transactions that are wrong for them, filling in the right, filling in the right form is like, one, it saves users tons of time. Yeah. Um, and like primarily like that's, that's what we care about. The secondary impact of that is that also in turn saves government loads of money, like having to deal with forms that aren't filled in right or calls to call centres because someone doesn't understand how stuff is, uh, how, how a service works. That also costs government um, money and uh, civil servants time. Um, and so like by making things uh, better for users, like it has this benefit of um, saving government time and money as well, which is really nice. I'm nodding. (laughs) (laughs) Can you give me a step-by-step to making a step-by-step? There's a serious one. As a family, we've been talking a lot about lasting power of attorney. And everyone in my family is healthy and good. Uh, But like my parents are in their late 60s. And it's a sensible thing for people to start talking about and and planning ahead. Um, And so... Within my within like family WhatsApp groups and email, people are just pinging around links to gov.uk guidance, going, "Have a look at this. Is this like because there's a different role for the person um, who uh, is making the lasting power of attorney and um, the people who um, will uh, essentially have an obligation to look after that person if if something were to happen to their health." Um, and we're pinging around guidance discussing this and I'm sitting there going, oh, we should totally do this. <laughs> like there is a, there's a user need here. This is, this is complicated. There are decisions being taken. It's, it's a thing that some people go and seek legal advice about. Um, and whilst as a product manager, I wouldn't like, abu- like abuse my position to get like <laughs> stuff made that I, that's helpful to me. Like there's an indication that, that there might be a need there and that's something that we could do, uh, do, the, do the research to actually like see if there really was something there, but I'd love to see so that. How would you go about doing that if you wanted to create that particular one? Um, in that case, you, you, would, you would look at um, the parts of the service and the, gui- the, the guidance that exists around it. And then you get, a, you get someone like Kate to come and run this, <laughs> this, these kind of workshops um, that uh, we've now got pretty practiced at. Yeah. But Kate can probably tell you what well, happens. Less me and more the content designers. Because um, they are experts in knowing what's on gov.uk and how it all fits together. And they're really good. I mean, well, content design is basically about explaining government services in a really clear way so that people understand them. Mm-hmm. I think we've kind of now got to a point where we've got the right balance, where we're, we're taking something in that helps them uh, share their knowledge and helps us to get moving quickly so that we can give them something back quickly that is the result of their collaboration. And like invariably something does emerge that's like that's new and that is a new way of framing something. Yeah. Um, and that uh, that is something that no one department could have done on their own. Exactly. And we certainly couldn't have like sort of come uh, arrived with that kind of up our sleeve and said like this is how you, it's going to be structured it, it's a genuine collaborative process where the input yeah. of the expertise in the department about the different parts of those journeys come together to create this thing that is hopefully framed in a way that uh, makes sense to users and is how they think about it rather than how government 
uh, thinks about that problem. Well, yeah, I was going to touch on that, how you're making government think about itself as a place that delivers services. And the and it sounds like with all this collaboration, that's that's been a key outcome from this. There's a lot going on across government to help them think about things in a slightly different way, to help them think about themselves as service providers. Like the new service standard is really sort of strong on that and about getting government to think about services and whole problems and tackling those collaboratively. But um, I think step by step is one of the really tangible tools that enables departments to start work on that. You know, it's the, fir- the first step on the road, I think. And I should probably, should probably also finish the step by step once the workshop has been done. When the, what's the next stage of the oh. uh, <laughs> with the um, with your service here? So, usually, if if we're sort of going into that workshop with a fa- fairly good idea of of the journey, and we have we have that very drafty thing in the publishing tool, as the conversations are going on with the departments that's being facilitated um, by someone from our team someone else in our team is sitting in the background updating the the draft of that thing in the publishing tool. So by the end of the workshop, we can show them uh, the tangible output, sort of first draft example of what they've been discussing uh, with the caveat that we need to take that away and do a bit more massaging of the content. Then the thing gets two-eyed internally. That's a jargony term for it gets reviewed by another content designer <laughs> within gov.uk. Um, and then we send it out for fact check with departments. And this follows our sort of standard mainstream guidance fact check process where it goes to the subject matter experts within departments who then say, yes, that is factually correct. Go ahead and sign it off. Or they they give us feedback about, mm, actually, that you've sort of misunderstood something there. I always enjoy when it goes to the lawyers. That's when you Ooh. that's when you that's when you know it's like you'll make you like that's when you know you're changing stuff because yeah. it's it's uh, the, the lawyers are there to make sure that in the way that we're presenting this in a simple way, we aren't straying from what's uh, legally correct and we aren't misleading people. Um, but we are pre- like presenting some of these complicated uh, legal processes as a simple one pager does mean it, does, it needs to get uh, like read and fact-checked by uh, a lawyer in the process. There is often this kind of wide range of expertise that, that we need to consult and people who like in the process of reframing the stuff we've had to consult. But like everything, everything's gone live. Everyone, at every yeah. point we've reached a consensus and when everyone sees it at the end, they go, oh, like, that's better. Yeah. <laughs> and does it go back to that point of it, though, exposing those perhaps the policy challenges that this is what part of the process is? Yeah, I think sometimes sort of confusing and complex policy is sort of hidden in guidance that is spread across gov.uk and when you extract it and expose it in this really sort of simplified view of that thing you you actually realize the policy is complicated or the thing doesn't make sense because the policy is complicated and and hopefully that is like showing them that is the start of a process of thinking well how can we simplify this because this is confusing users and this is making work for us as government it's making work for them to try and understand something which should just be simple that was really one of the early learnings of this was that we needed to get the policymakers in the room for those workshops because uh often there can be a process where content designers do a bunch of work and then they pass it over to to policy people and some context is is lost there. If you've got the um, the policymakers in the room from the start, that's kind of another another kind of collaboration. It's it's different departments and it's different disciplines uh, being there to to uh, inform the process. 
And these step-by-steps have also been very helpful to the voice assistant work as well, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, this is it's part of a broader, a broader strategy. So uh, we sometimes talk about Gov.UK uh, now, uh, or trying to make Gov.UK understandable to humans and understandable to machines. And I mean, I, I sometimes w- wonder what, when we say that, what people are imagining, like some kind of like robot overlords. That, like, so, to be clear, to clear this up on the GDS podcast, not for the robot overlords. Um, like one example of uh, what we mean by that is so that uh, our content is understandable to search engines. And so if you, if you do a search for um, becoming a driving instructor or learning to drive a car uh, on, um, from a search engine on, on mobile, actually, this is something that's gone live in the last month, they're, they're able to see the, the search engine is able to look at the structure of our content and you get like this little um, carousel of steps that appears that you can kind of swipe through and you can jump to, oh, I'm, I'm at step three of learning to drive. Like I've got my professional license, so now I'm, now I'm studying for my test, so I can jump to that. Um, and that's powered by some markup that we've added to our step-by-steps that makes them uh, easier for like machines to read. And it's the same markup that powers uh, search that can also power voice assistants. Uh, so you can, you can query those um, step-by-steps or the content within those step-by-steps uh, in the same way. I've also seen a figure floating around that there's like 400 services you want to do this to. Is that how many, or is it literally just... That's like finger in the air. So I think, I think that's based off of the, the amount of mainstream guidance we have, which is it sort of covers the really major far-reaching government services. Um, but because the step-by-step um, navigation can work across all content on gov.uk, it means that even beyond those 400, if there are departments who are sitting in some really niche area of government, they can still start using this pattern for something that might, maybe it only has 200 users a year, but they can still start thinking about it and, and piecing their journey together in the sort of depths of Whitehall content as well. So there's potentially way more than 400, but that covers some of the really key services that we, we know we would like to build. What sort of journeys are definitely not step-by-steps? Like when you're sort of thinking, if, if you're listening um, and you're working on a service, what would be not suitable? This is kind of a crude indicator of it. It's generally stuff you can do, you you need to do in more than one sitting. Like yeah. you can't you can't <laughs> learn to drive or get married in one web session. Like you know, it's it's gonna take a bit longer. One day, you I, think can, you I think you can in Estonia probably. Right. <laughs> It'll generally be something where you've got to like re- read a bit of gov.uk, go and do a thing in the real world, come back and then and then read or do something else. That's that's a kind of kind of gut feel indicator of when some navigation that's going to help people join up those uh, activities is is going to help. When I think about the step-by-steps I want to, want to build, like one of the ones I really wanted to do was um, what to do when someone dies because it is these like high um, emotion, really difficult times of life when the last thing you want to be doing is thinking, thinking about government admin. And... I know they're a bit depressing, but that that's what motivates me is to kind of take the pressure off people at those horrible times and make life a little bit easier. So I think other step-by-steps I would love to build would be like helping people who are out of work and tying together all the services and the suite of things in that space where um, that could support them in that time of life or, you know, other other things like that. Like that's where we can add, I think, the most value 
it's it's those moments in life where you really value somebody saying like you just like do this do this do yeah. this and you'll be fine yeah. um and yeah that's that's what kind of motivates us i think totally not yeah. adding unnecessary stress or pressure on a high highly emotional situation yeah. Who wants to think about government when you've got all that other stuff on your plate? No one. I think it's about making government much more invisible. Like, ultimately, people don't want to think about that. They want to get on with their lives. Thank you to Kate and thank you to Sam today. Um, And so you can listen to all the episodes of the Government Digital Service podcast on Apple Music, Spotify and all other major podcast platforms. And you can read the transcripts on Podbean. So thank you very much again. Thank you. Thanks for having us.